coming up on today's show. I do credit Celebrate Recovery for even giving me the courage and the confidence to, to pursue music. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Be sure you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter I only send out on Wednesday when a new episode of this show comes out, so make sure you're signed up to receive that for free to your inbox. If you're not already getting it, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and pop your email address into the sign-up box. I do publish exclusives in there from time to time, so don't miss out. I love hearing from listeners of this show. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you're welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from near Charlotte, North Carolina, my guest is an award-winning singer, songwriter, guitar player who just last month put out a seven-song EP. She is also beginning work on a new album, as well as a separate EP, both of which we will hear about today. She regularly travels back and forth to Nashville and was named One to Watch by Nashville Songwriters Association in Spring 2021 and Spring 2022. Earlier this month, she took home the silver for USA Entertainer of the Year at the 2023 International Singer-Songwriters Association Awards. Her top five songs on Spotify alone have a combined total of almost 440,000 streams, and she has more than 13,000 monthly listeners on that platform. Been hearing a song of hers called Trigger Warning. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Jennifer Alvarado. Hi there. Hi, Bruce. Hi, everyone. Um, great to be on today. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate you taking time now to talk to me, especially on a day when I know you need to get on the road to be at a sound check three hours from now. Let's dive right in <laughs> by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Trigger Warning, especially since I was talking over it and they couldn't make out the lyrics clearly. Yeah. Um, well, I think everybody with pop culture today, um, especially if you're on social media in any form, you've probably scrolled through and seen the big old like TW signs or trigger warning signs that pop up, um, basically for anything that could cause emotional distress. And um, I was coming out of a period of time in my life where I was just trying to make sense of everything that had just gone on. And um, I wrote this song basically about a person in particular that I wish had come with a trigger warning. Um, mm. I wish that somehow it had been across their forehead, like, hey, just brace yourself. It's going to be a challenge. Um, and so really, that's where the song came from. Um, it's about just the fact of this person, like they, they were able to bring out kind of the worst traits in you um, and, and bring up all this stuff from the past. And it, there was really no rhyme or reason to it. It just, it happened. And, and some people, and sometimes you run into people that just do that. And I think that honestly, looking back at it, 
I can see it as a positive thing because there were things I needed to work on within myself. But at the time, it was a very um, treacherous road to be on um, and one that definitely caused a lot of pain and that I had to kind of process through. And so trigger warning is definitely why I love songwriting. Um, mm. It's that processing that happens sometimes with through writing. Well, I'm taking my hat off to you because that is the sign of someone that's been at it for a while. I'm talking about songwriting because you did something. You took a very, as you've mentioned, a very common term in pop culture today, trigger warning, and said, I can write a song that uses that, but also is something that everybody can relate to, which is, oh boy, this person, yeah, you should have seen someone that I dated one time, that they X, Y, or Z. <laughs> and so I love, Jennifer, the way that you took that concept and tied it in to something that is going to get people's attention because they're going to see Trigger Warning as your song title, and they're going to go, wait a minute, what is this? And now all of a sudden, <laughs> you got them interested, and of course, then the song has to be there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think that that's, it's important. Um, and I think that it honestly is that bridge. I mean, music's a bridge anyway, um, between people, but I think you have to figure out ways of not really setting yourself apart. I mean, yes, that's important, but also just being relevant to what's happening in society today. Um, because, I think that people kind of need a reason to listen to you a lot of times and, and to trust you, especially with things. And, um, yeah, my whole, my whole thought with music is I want people to realize like, Hey, I've been there too. Um, I've been hurt. I've mm. been this, um, you know, and, and I want to be relatable if nothing else. So, well, and two, I think you probably realized I need to be sensitive with this because there are going to be people out there that for some reason they have a connection to the concept of a trigger warning. And so yeah. you probably told yourself at the same time, as much as this is going to be a good song title, I need to not cross too far of a line. And I think you'd accomplish that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, my husband's a counselor. Um, and so when I first played this song for him, he was like, um... I'm not sure because, you know, he, he understands the value in a trigger warning. Um, he, he has a lot of clients that have gone through very traumatic things. And so I, I didn't want to be insensitive to that term because, and I didn't want it to be something that kind of pokes fun at that term because mm -hmm. it very, it very much is a necessary thing. Um, you know, I, I had an eating disorder um, back in middle school, high school. And so there are still things that I see that um, I have to be very sensitive to. So I get it. Mm -hmm. I, I get the importance of that term and I never want it to be used lightly. Nicely done. Nicely done. Congratulations on the new EP that I mentioned in the intro you released last month. The title of that is Songbird Part 2. Before we get into the story of what that and its predecessor are about, share with us first the details regarding where it was recorded, over what period of time was it recorded, who produced it, are all the songs written by just you, or are there co-writes, and so on? So everything on Songbird um, was written by me, um, solely by me this time. Um, and uh, it, it was a project that I really I started probably at the end of 2020 um, songbird was, which is the title track was the very first song that I wrote off of this project. And um, 
it paved the way to everything else. I wanted to kind of base the entire story of, of Songbird around that song. Um, and so it starts out with with part one that kind of focuses more on the relationship itself, just the toxicity that, that occurred um, and the questions that you're left with when everything kind of falls apart. Um, and so even one of the songs is called questions. And then, uh, by this time next year was the last one on part one was the last song. And that was a song that I wrote at the end of 2020, um, on new year's Eve. Mm. Um, and it was kind of a song to myself of just, Hey, where you are right now is not where you're going to be in a year. Mm. Um, just keep going. Like you've got to keep going. You've just got to move through this, um, and process through this. And so this whole album was very much, um, parts one and two was very much me just trying to work through things. Um, I went through a very trying period of time where I had been in worship. Um, I I was a full-time worship pastor, all of that, um, went through a very challenging time where I thought that was where I was supposed to be. And then of course, 2020 happens and everything kind of goes haywire to say the least. Um, and I started releasing the country stuff and the pop stuff. And, um, I decided to make a change in my life, but in the process of that, I lost a lot of people. Mm. I had a lot questions that I was asking myself or being asked. And there was just a lot that had occurred in, in ministry, um, that left me very, very broken, um, to say the least to, to the point that I thought maybe music is just not even what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so I really, this album is very much me processing through it. Um, and so when you get to part two, which was released back in July, um, it's, it's what happens after, after you leave a situation that, that you realize maybe you weren't supposed to fit in completely, um, that it was maybe there to teach you some things, but you weren't necessarily supposed to stay there. And uh, part two is very much about the the rebuilding and realizing that it's not all you. It wasn't all you. Um, and 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 really to stop blaming yourself for everything because I tend to do that. Mm. So that that's really what part two is. It's the rebuilding. It's the refining of yourself and just realizing that while you really cared about something in the moment, um, you also don't want to necessarily go back to it because you lost a a good deal of yourself in it. Um, And so this project was recorded over basically 2020, 2021, um, and then some finishing stuff in 2022. Um, Well, it was written 2020 and 2021 and then recorded uh, throughout 2022. And um, it was recorded at Baumhouse Studios in Morganton, North Carolina, which is about 30 minutes from where I live um, mm. with my producer, Ricky Rodriguez. He uh, uh, we've been friends. Oh, goodness, probably 10 years at this point. And um, he's worked on all of my albums. Um, he's worked through all the growth points um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he's very talented at what he does. Um, so yeah, if you're in this area, definitely check him out. 
So let me jump in because I got a bunch of follow up questions here that are all springing to mind as I'm listening to you describe all this. You said that Songbird, the song is what really inspired all of this. So when that song came to you and you wrote it and you said, okay, now I'm going to develop a whole project around this, was the plan Mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes from day one, I'm going to do this in two parts? Or did you ever consider just making one 13 song album? So I originally was going to do a 13 song album. Um, And what happened was, as I got into it, it was like, okay, this is a lot to chew and digest. And um, so I felt like from a listener standpoint, um, it was better to break it up. But also just from a um, standpoint of understanding the story, it made sense to break it up. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I really... I just felt like it needed to be part one and part two. Yeah, and it makes sense. It makes sense because it does sound like it is two very different parts of a story. It's kind of like going to see a play and then there's an intermission and then you come back for act two. And it's very much different from there was a lot of scene setting going on in the first act. And now something different is going to happen in the second act. And that's what you did with Songbird Part 1 and Songbird Part 2. The other thing that I wanted to ask you is we're going to hear later in this interview, and I teased this in the intro, but we're going to hear later about the fact that you go back and forth to Nashville. Was there ever any consideration to, I should do some co-writing with some folks in Nashville for the Songbird project? And for that matter, was there any consideration to, I should record it in Nashville? Well, the very short answer is no, Um, because (laughs) I had already pretty much formulated this whole project before I ever really started doing Nashville co-writes. So I I pretty much knew how this was going to pan out. Um, Now, I will say this. um, I have done co-writes since then. um, And so those will definitely be something in the future. but at the time, no. Nashville was honestly so new to me um, mm. just from from going up there and everything that and I think, too, with co-writing, I have to be very comfortable with somebody um, or or at least know them a little bit. And, and especially the intensity of, of what this project meant to me mm-hmm. Um it was very intrapersonal. Like it was, it was very reflective of just what was going on in my life. And so I think to bring necessarily a co-writer into that, um, just didn't make sense at the time. Um, I I think maybe if I went back and looked at some of the songs now, um, maybe, maybe I would, especially songs like catfish and, and some of the more upbeat songs that I, I don't know, it could, it could, take somebody else's opinion and be fine but some but a song like songbird where it very much was kind of my heart on a page um it just didn't make sense at the time yeah i was going to say exactly that you are so close to this you're the one that experienced these things that you're writing lyrics about that unless someone else went through the exact same thing it's like am i having someone co-write with me just for the sake of having a co-writer because Unless they know this the way that I experienced it, I don't know that they're going to do justice to it and bring to it anything that I'm not already going to accomplish on my own. Right, right. Well, and I think that it's always valuable to have somebody else's opinion. Um, but I, I just, because this project was so close to me, um, it, it just didn't make sense to me to bring somebody in at this point. Um, and then as far as recording, um 
that is definitely something that I've thought about for the future projects to think about recording in Nashville. Um, just even to get, because I think the more you work with people, the more you network, the more you um, experience other people's ear for certain things, you kind of learn your own style too. But with that said, I've worked with Ricky for so long and he gets what I'm trying to accomplish that again, too, it didn't make sense to bring somebody else in on this project because he's been here through through all of this, you know, turmoil and stuff that went on. Like he's heard mm-hmm. the story. So I used to go in and like vent to him and be like, do you know what happened this week? <laughs> and, you know, and so like, he knows he knows where I'm coming from. And so he knew also sort of the vision that I had for this project. And so I, I think that uh there was just nobody else that I wanted to work with on yeah, this. It makes, than- it makes sense, especially from the standpoint of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in addition to the new EP from last month, congratulations also on a nice accomplishment this month, which was taking home silver in the USA Entertainer of the Year category from the International Singer Songwriters Association. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe... That event, those awards were handed out in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Is that right? Did you attend? Was that your first time being up for an award with them? How and when did you find out you were a nominee? Just walk us through the whole process all the way up to the honor that you took home earlier this month. Yeah. So so last year I was actually nominated for six, I think. Um, But I wasn't able to go to the show um, and didn't win anything last year. And then this year... I believe I found out in May. Um, I think it was April. No, it was April. And and basically the first month um, is all based on, and I was nominated for seven different categories, mm. uh, including Entertainer of the Year. So um, in April, everybody, like your fan base actually votes for you. Um, and then based on how you do in, in April, you then go on to the next round, which is in May. Um, and then those that are gold winners, and I think the other people on the panel actually look at the nominees and they make the decision based on who made it through April. So um, you don't find out anything um, once you've actually been, I guess, finalized in May. Um, you don't find anything out until August. Wow. So. It's in Sandy Springs, Georgia, um, which is right outside of Atlanta, um, and uh, went down there for the first time this year. Ah. Um, yeah, it's uh, the red carpet starts about 12 p.m. and then the show starts about two um, and it went about almost four hours because, I mean, there's a big group of people and people perform and all that. So it, it was a very cool experience. I was not expecting Entertainer of the Year. Um <laughs> at all. So I appreciate that. And I think I appreciate it too, just from the standpoint of, you know, there was a time where I was very, um, just very shy to put myself out there. And, and so to get entertainer of the year, it's basically you're, you're playing a lot of shows (laughs) (laughs) and you're going out there. And, um, so I, I really, I appreciate that from that standpoint, because, to me, it shows that I have made progress from my own stuff and, yeah. and getting through my own little 
issues of, of just not wanting to put myself out there because I'm an introvert. And, and I think that it's very easy to put out music um, and kind of sit in your bedroom and, and hope nobody gives you criticism. Um, but it's different when you're actually going out and you're playing shows every other day. So, yeah. yeah. Well done. Well done. Boy, your Songbird Part 2 EP just came out last month, and you're already beginning work on a new album. Share with us what that looks like, meaning what genre will that be, and do you have a timeline? Are you just in the writing stage now, or is it a little further along than that? So I've written pretty much everything. I usually try to leave gaps um, in case I write something, and I'm just like, this has to be on there. But Mm. as of right now, I have about... um, 25 songs that are kind of that I'm debating. Um, But I definitely have at least 13 that I definitely, I want them on there. Um, This album is going to be kind of a throwback to um, nineties country, early two thousands country, which is what really inspired me to do music. Um, It's what I loved. It's what I, what I know. Um, it's what I do a lot of my shows um, as far as covers and stuff like that. So it, it's just that that genre and that time frame that I absolutely adore. Um, the Dina Carter, um, Reba, all of that kind of stage of life um, that really inspired me. And so I, I want to just do a throwback um, to that. And really that sound. And I think that there's a simplicity that comes with that. Um, One thing that you'll find on Songbird is that, you know, there's a lot of sampling that that I did and stuff like that. And I I don't necessarily want that sound on this project. I want it to be very much you sit down with a guitar and maybe a cajon and something else and and you're just playing in your living room. Mm. That's the feel I want for it. So do you have a timeline in terms of when you'd like to see this album come out? Of course, I would like to say by the end of the year. I think it's probably (laughs) going to be early 2024, Um, just from the standpoint of trying to get everything recorded. Um, And I don't want to rush it by any means, but everything is written. So it's, it's more of just getting in the studio and getting stuff recorded and done. Well, and I'll tell you what, you and I are just meeting for the first time, but I can hear the sincerity, how genuine when you talked about 90s country and early 2000s and just what that meant to you. And so thinking back to the time you spent in worship and maybe you were singing Christian music, but I think in your heart, you really had country roots and and that's where you were being called to. And that's probably why you're on the road that you are now. Definitely. And I think for me, you know, I grew up an only child. I grew up um, sort of being told, like, this is this is not realistic. Um, you mm. need to be doing this every year. And, and that's honestly the path that I did for a long time. Um, and I think it was just a confidence thing, too, of, you know, if I, I hate to say this, but especially when you were growing up, when I did, if, if you didn't look like Faith Hill um, or some of the other you know, because everybody was gorgeous and they still are. But um, if you didn't fit that mold, you were kind of told like, oh, well, you can't be a country singer. And so I think for a long time, I I had to look at that, too, and, and realize that that's somebody's opinion. That's not 
that's not truth. That's not reality. Um, and so that was just one of those things that I had to work through on my own. Um, and that you figure out as you get older that, that that's not true. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I think that I always gravitated toward that, especially because, Growing up, my grandmother was very influential in my music choices, and um, we used to sit for hours and watch CMT and all these music videos and all of that. <laughs> she loved, like, absolutely adored country music, and that was something that we shared, and um, I, I think that just that bonding process really made me fall in love with, with that genre. And folks, go back two weeks ago, if you didn't hear it, listen to my interview with Bridget Tatum on episode 495. In fact, on the show page for Jennifer's episode on nhte.net, I will put a link to the episode 495 conversation with Bridget Tatum, where she's from South Carolina, and now she lives in Nashville, mm-hmm. but she said almost the same thing that you just heard Jennifer say. The quote from Bridget two weeks ago was, nobody ever thinks that the things you see on TV or the things you hear on the radio are an actual possibility, and I think something drives your entertainment people in general past that, end quote. So she was saying the same thing. She said that growing up in South Carolina, she was always told, oh, you can't do something like that. Like, that's just kind of, you know, that's not the way it works. And so she was there, and Jennifer is here to tell you otherwise. Jennifer, on a similar note, you were talking about this country album, but you're actually also currently beginning work for an EP that I'd venture to guess you're probably aiming for maybe a November release. Tell the audience what I'm referring to and why the timing of that one is so vital. Yes. So actually, I released a Christmas song last December, or actually November, Um and uh, I, I'm still working on that. So we're slated to have the EP done for release in November. It's going to be my first, I guess, Christmas EP, holiday EP. Um, I have worked on Christmas worship CDs in the past, but never my own. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, it should be ready for for people to pick up at Christmas time, hopefully. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from near Charlotte, North Carolina, by award-winning singer, songwriter, guitar player Jennifer Alvarado. Visit her official website at jenniferalvarado.com. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on her website, wow, she has lots of live shows the rest of this year. You will want to navigate to 2023 Tour, which is under the Music tab on her website. Meanwhile, look for Merch under the Shop tab on her website to get Jennifer's original music. Of course, you can also purchase downloads from the likes of Apple Music and other online digital music retailers. On JenniferAlvarado.com, there are lots and lots of links, plenty of logos, to follow Jennifer on the likes of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and even LinkedIn. Look also for the Spotify, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud logos as well. Keep in mind that Spotify and SoundCloud are two of the many platforms that you can hear this show on. I am certainly not live on the OWL app right now while I'm recording this interview with Jennifer because I don't want people to try calling me through there. This clearly is not a good time, but that's one of the many great features of OWL is when you are available to take calls, you put yourself live. If you're not, you don't. But if you're wanting to call someone on there and they are not live, you can simply request that they go live. They'll get a notification. 
And as long as they're available, they will. And then boom, you get notified that they're live and you call them. Test it out. Do it with me. We can talk about this podcast or you can ask me for help with podcasting or tap into all of my years of experience as a publicist. Start by going to my podcast website, nhte.net, and then tap or click anywhere it says home and then read the article I have posted there under the headline, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away to learn more about OWL. I've also got links in there for you to download the app for free from either the App Store or Google Play. Plus, you will see my invitation code, which is a required field as you're setting up the app on your phone. Get on OWL and start your way to making great new connections for your career. Jennifer, you do work with Recovery Ministry and Celebrate Recovery. How, when, and why did you get into that, and what all does that entail? Yeah, um, so I started helping with that in 2013. Um, basically, they, they needed a worship leader, and so I was like, okay, I'll go do this. And um, I realized very quickly with Celebrate Recovery that it's it's not your typical um, I guess AANA kind of thing. It's not just about substance abuse, but it's about any kind of struggle that you may have. So the tagline is any hurts, habits, hangups that you may have. Um, and basically, I was probably there for the first week and somebody started talking about codependency and people pleasing um, and perfectionism, which, hello, that's me. Um and I realized that, oh, that's not something you should be proud of and putting on like a resume, that mm. you're a perfectionist and need to please people. And so it truly, it was honestly something that I needed in my own life, um, not just from the standpoint of, of wanting to go and, and volunteer and, and lead worship, but it really did help me to kind of get past some of my own fears and anxiety Um and, and those things of being told like, oh, you don't fit this bubble, so therefore you can't go do this. Um, and I do credit Celebrate Recovery for even giving me the courage and the confidence to, to pursue music um, and music in, in this industry. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very wonderful ministry if if you are struggling with anything, whether it be divorce, whether it be, I mean, just everyday struggles, anything you can think of. Mm. Um, and you just need some accountability or, or somebody to kind of um, talk to. I, I would definitely suggest looking online um, and finding um, a chapter near you because it's all over. Yeah, that's interesting because I think when people hear celebrate recovery, I think they just assume that you're talking about recovering from alcohol or drugs. So for you to start to give those couple of examples that you did, I think really kind of opens people's eyes that you can expand your mind to anything that you're struggling with. They can probably help you. Yes, definitely. And I think that that, I think that that's the importance of that program. It's not, um, it's not to be a fix all or anything like that is to be able to give you support and, and help you to realize that everybody has something. Um, None of us are supposed to be doing this life by ourselves. We're not supposed to be these perfect individuals walking around. Like everybody has something um, that you struggle with. Um, if you, you're probably lying to yourself or to others. Um, so 
yeah, it, it definitely was something that I needed in my life. Um, and I still need, um, I don't get to go as much anymore because the, the service that I did was on Friday nights. And as you know, Friday nights are kind of a big, <laughs> big night shows. So I had to step away, but I still, um, very much care about that. Ministry. Um, I've done it for over 10 years and, uh, it is one of those things that I try to work back into my schedule as I can. Yeah, I think the mistake that we all make, and I'm going to include myself in that, is you hear something like celebrate recovery and you think you need to have some kind of an addiction. Maybe it's gambling or or whatever it is. Yeah. But when you talk about something like someone who's going through divorce, you know, or maybe it's the loss of a loved one that passed away, it sounds like celebrate recovery can help even those people. It doesn't have to be some kind of an addiction. So that's that's wonderful work that, that you and, and all of them are doing. I understand you have some insights you can share relative to overcoming performance anxiety? Yeah, so that was something that, especially after my grandmother that uh, really loved music and, and shared music with, when she passed away when I was 10, um, it was like the blinders of, of the world came off, if that makes sense. Like, all of a sudden, you start realizing you're not perfect to everybody. <laughs> because, mm. you know, my grandmother was my biggest fan. And so everything I did was wonderful. And so for a long time, I had a lot of anxiety when it came to, I, I wanted to sing and I wanted to be able to do that. But I would go to either audition for something or get up, even sing a solo that I had been given and nothing would come up. Um, it was just absolutely devastating and mm. so for a long time i quit doing music mm. because i wanted to i wanted to have friends and and when you're the kid that goes around wanting to sing everything sometimes you get bullied for that um and so there was just a lot of anxiety that came from that and so that was one thing that i even worked on up through my 20s and I still i still have some anxiety but um you know I went to counseling for some of it to realize that you don't have to be perfect and that that's not truly something that you can be as a human. You can't be perfect and you're not supposed to be. So um, that was just one thing that I worked through that. And one thing that I also found with worshiping was that your vulnerability is your superpower. Like you going up there and just being vulnerable and showing flaws, that's how you connect and you mm, um, wow. are related to somebody else. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful because, you know, I can see it. You stand up there on stage and you're in the middle of a song and you see somebody walking out and you start beating yourself up and go, oh, that guy's not interested. He's bored. He doesn't like my voice. He doesn't like my music. He's walking out. And maybe he's just going to the restroom, you know, or maybe he has to step outside to take a phone call. Or maybe he's got someplace that he has to be and he was nice enough to sit there and listen to you for all the time that he did. But you tell yourself all the exact opposite things. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'll still do that. But I'll still try to don't do that. Like, just cool that voice down a little bit. Um, and I tell myself, you know, you know the whole story. Or or just maybe that song makes them emotional or whatever the case may be. I mentioned in the intro that you do this, and I teased it a little bit earlier on in our conversation. But I've got to ask, how do you make 
Nashville work since you are still based in North Carolina? I'm talking about the going back and forth there. Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) You spend a lot of time on the road, and I spend a lot of time listening to serial killer podcasts to keep me (laughs) awake at night. So, yeah, my husband is wonderful, and he's supportive, and he lets me just kind of go do my thing, Um, and he takes care of stuff here. So, yeah, I spend a lot of time going back and forth, Um, but I I think – when you're passionate about something and when you want to do something, you make it work. And so that's truly, that's what it is. Um, so it's, it's about six hours, Mm. um, both ways. So, uh, usually what I do is try to book as much as I possibly can in the time period that I'm going to be there so that every minute is kind of accounted for. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's working. (laughs) Sometimes you get tired and, and, you know, and especially like my car for the past, oh goodness, week or two has just been giving me all kinds of issues. So Mm. I had to kind of let it sit for a couple of days, but um, it's okay now. So knock on wood, we're going to, we're going to get back to Nashville next week. When you say six hours, both ways, do you mean six hours round trip or 12 hours round trip? 12 hours round trip. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And are these just performances that you're going to do? Are you going into co-write sessions? Are you doing other business? What What are the trips to Nashville consisting of? Um, all of the above. So wow. um, usually when I go for multiple days, I try to fit co-writes in earlier in the day. Um, and then I have shows at night or rounds at night. Um, and typically when I go for the day, I've usually booked two or three rounds for the day so that I just kind of go mm. to this round and then jump across town to this one and then this one and then wow. I head back. So, yeah. So with what degree of regularity would you say you're going back and forth to Nashville? Is it a couple times a month? Is it, oh gosh, a couple times a week? Or is it one time a month? What, what does that look like? At one point, I was going every week. Um, Right now, um, because I've had so many shows around here um, in the North Carolina area and Virginia and stuff like that, um, I have been going every other week. So, Mm. And then at the end of the month, I usually go for a period of of a few days so that I'm just there um, and not going back and forth. So, yeah, usually every other week – or every week, depending on what's going on in my life. Wow. Have you found a friend that lets you crash on their couch, or are you having to pay for a hotel every time you go? Actually, we have a wonderful family friend who is in Portland, which is about 40 minutes um, north of Nashville, so not six hours. And um, they are kind enough to let me stay there. So Fantastic. that's what I've been doing. Fantastic. There's something that you mentioned in there that... It's important that we go back to. There's another role that you do have, which is as a wife. Can you talk about the importance of having a supportive spouse in this industry? (laughs) Yes. Um, So I have a few friends that have talked about just how lucky I am, which I knew I was lucky. But especially when, when their significant other is not as supportive and hates going to shows and, Mm. and whatever else. Um, you know, I kind of feel like I'm in a relationship with both music and my husband Mm. because you, you have to divide that time out. And 
if you aren't with somebody who my husband's not a musician, let me say that. Um, and so he doesn't fully understand the passion I have for it. Um, I don't think anyone that isn't a musician can totally understand it unless they're passionate about something else. But, um, he's very supportive. And from the very beginning of when we even started dating, he, he used to tell me that he could see the passion I have when I talk about music, Mm. that my, you know, that my eyes light up, that everything just lights up and that he would never stand in my way of doing it. And he has been very true to that statement. He's, he supports me every way he possibly can. Um, and I, I think that that's important. And I think that it's important that you have that trust there too, because, you know, you're, you're around all kinds of people. You're gone late hours. You're in bars and everything else under the sun. Um, and so it, you've got to have that trust. You've got to have that foundation. Um, and, and I think too, you have to have it from a standpoint of just needing somebody to kind of, to bounce ideas off of and, um, to have that soft place to land because the world beats you up real quick. And so to be able to come home to somebody who loves me unconditionally and, um, is supportive and, you know, by no means does he tell me I do everything right. He's very honest with me and he'll tell me, he'll be the first one to tell me like, I don't like that song. Mm. Um, which is, which is fine. Um, and then I try to convince him of why he should (laughs) like it. But, uh, but to have that, it, it's a huge thing. Um, and and you you need that. You need that soft place to land. So this episode has had, while I haven't highlighted them as such, there's been some good teaching moments here. And for any aspiring performers who are listening to this, I'd love to also hear your thoughts, Jennifer, on the importance of following your own path and finding your voice, especially when trends would show you otherwise. Mm. Yeah. Um, I honestly was kind of not, um, I didn't have a clue of necessarily the, the trends that happen until I started going to Nashville. Um, and, and you see, you see a lot of the same thing. Um, and you either kind of have two ways of looking at it. Either you can try to fit that bubble um, and, and just kind of be one more, um, or you can have faith in what you're doing, um, and keep pursuing that. Um, and I do think that there's something to be said about finding your own way, because especially in this industry, there is not a cookie cutter path. People can tell you do this, this, and this, you see it every single day on social media, follow my plan and you too will have (laughs) a million followers and this and that. And it's like, yeah, maybe. Um, but the chances of that, of that lightning striking the same place twice is very slim. And I, I think you have to be true to yourself ultimately because, you know, the people that, that make it and are, are doing something, it's because they're being themselves. Um, because those trends always change and and also your audience is going to know if you're being real or not 
Um, and, and I think that there is something to be said for being vulnerable and showing that you are human and, and being able to connect with, with the people listening to, to your songs, um, and coming to see you play and all of that. Um, I, I don't think people want to copycat. They want to hear something fresh. They want to hear something new, um, and something real. Um, and, Honestly, and, and maybe it's because I have been part of recovery ministry, and, and that's the first thing you'll find with recovery ministry is that especially that group of people can pick out a fake mm. in, in the first five seconds. Wow. Um, and because they want something, they want somebody to be vulnerable. They want to see that that you are relatable. And and so that's what I've always tried to do with my music and, and just with what I do. Um, I don't want to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I want to show that I go through the same hurts, the same, um, days of just frustration and self doubt and all of that. Um, but you keep moving forward. And I think that that's the importance of, of finding your own voice and realizing that you don't have to sound like everybody else. You don't have to look like everybody else. We're not supposed to, you know, we, we have flaws, we have those things that set us apart. And, and that is honestly what, what I feel like we've been given, um, to relate to other people. Yeah. And here's the other thing, and this goes back to what you had said when you were talking about having a supportive husband, because you talked about being just so, so passionate about music. And you said, unless there's someone else out there that doesn't do music, but they're super passionate about something else, Mm -hmm. that speaks to following your own path and finding your voice. Because if the trends show you that, oh, people that can kind of sing and kind of play guitar and kind of write music, you should go to Nashville. That's what a lot of people do. They just, the trend is you move to Nashville and you try to submerse yourself in the community there. Well, no, you know, if you're super passionate about it and you say, I can't live without writing music and performing music. Yeah. Then you, then you consider it, but that's kind of the the path that you have to carve out for yourself. If you say, I'm just moving to Nashville because everybody says what I should do. Well, you're not following your own path. You have to say, you know what? I'm content just playing in the bars in my hometown on the weekends, or I don't even know that I really want to continue on with music. You can't listen to what the trends are doing. Otherwise, you're going to be somewhere that you're going to be doing even worse. I'm not saying that you're doing badly already, but you're going to take a few steps back and you're going to go, I don't even like it here. I don't even know anybody. Yeah. So everything that you're saying is is super helpful, Jennifer, and, and, and good insights from someone who has talked the talk and walked the walk. <laughs> Well, I try. <laughs> I'm still trying to stumble through it. And, and I think that's the thing. I, I think, you know, everybody wants this clear cut path. They they want to be able to follow this, this wonderful laid out step by step guide. Yeah. Um, and it's just not real. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Like there are certain things that can definitely help. And I, and I will say that, you know, networking with other people and, and even being involved in the community and, and just knowing people that is helpful. But as far as being told like, Oh, you'll never get anywhere because of this, this or that. Nobody can tell you that. That's right. Like if you're that passionate about it and you're that driven to do it, you, God will help you find a way. Like I am sure of that. Yeah, and nothing and, and no one should stop you. What my path has been. Yeah. Yeah. 
We're going to close today with another one of Jennifer's original songs, one called Curious. Jennifer, before I let you go and I play that track, share with us first all about this one, if you would, please. Sure. Um, I wrote this back in, I believe, December 2021. Um And it's basically that feeling that you get when you first meet somebody and maybe there's an attraction there. Um, Maybe you're friends with the person and you know that there's just something more to it and you have that curiosity and you want to get to know them more. But at the same time, um, for whatever reason, you you don't want to be vulnerable (laughs) because vulnerability is scary. And so you don't necessarily want to jump in this relationship, but you just keep thinking, what if we did? What if we did do something? So, Well, Jennifer, congratulations again on the new EP and on the award. And my gosh, so much that you have going on. I mentioned all the shows. You're doing a Christmas EP. You're working on another new album. So continued best wishes. And thank you for making time to be on Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. My pleasure. With that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to award-winning singer, songwriter, guitar player, Jennifer Alvarado. Do visit her official website at jenniferalvarado.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Trust me when I say that it's worth the time to navigate on there to 2023 tour which is under the music tab. Lots and lots of dates and places from now to December where you can go see Jennifer perform live. The brand new EP is called Songbird Part 2. It's available in the merch portion of the shop section of her website. You can also purchase downloads of Jennifer's original music from the likes of Apple Music and other online digital music retailers. Keep up with her online. You heard her talking about the Christmas EP and the new album, that's going to be a throwback to 90s slash early 2000s country. On jenniferalvarado.com, you'll see links, logos for Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and even LinkedIn. For that matter, tell her you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Give Jennifer a follow as well on Spotify and SoundCloud, both of which are platforms that you can hear this show on. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thanks for having stuck with Jennifer and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 497. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Jennifer Alvarado. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Curious. I can see you looking at me from across the room With every single glance I get a little more confused You shouldn't want me, I shouldn't want you All of our reasons, we follow the rules But all I keep dreaming about is me with you
see you.